Hello, and welcome to the Better Relationship Podcast. I'm your host, Dolphin Casper, and I'll be exploring interesting, exciting conversations with people who have stories, solutions, and expertise to help you in your journey towards richer and more meaningful relationships in your life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Relationflix Podcast. Uh, Dolphin Casper here. Really excited to have our guest on today, Naomi Pramadevi. Uh, we are friends from, I don't even remember when we met, maybe... 15 years ago, something like that, maybe more, uh, in Vancouver, BC. Uh, she's currently finding herself in New Zealand. And today we're going to get into some of what what is her passion and her mastery, and that's intimacy, tantra, sensuality, play. These are the things that that come to mind when I think of, of you. So uh, welcome to the show. Maybe anything you want to say to arrive and and then I'd love to talk about just the, the whole journey that you've been on around Tantra and sexuality to sensuality. And, and hopefully we can get into some pieces that uh, bring some real value to, to the people that are listening. So welcome to the show. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. It's really great to be here and to be a part of it. And yeah, just really happy to share um, stuff to help the, the, the people listening and watching. So yeah, all, anything you want to know, just feel free to ask. Yeah, cool. I think I remember in, in workshops that I've been a part of in yours, uh, you always saying like, I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. I, I just want to share. So I appreciate that about you. I think a question that a lot of people ask when they start to wake up to more of what's possible in their sensual and, and sexual lives is like, well, how do you do that? I, I think for a lot of people, it can feel like a, a big kind of blind spot you know, we, we, we grow up in a culture, mostly in the West, at least, where sexuality is in a certain way, it's everywhere. It's sort of saturated. Everything is saturated with sexuality, imagery, pornography is everywhere. And we don't talk about it. And we don't really learn about it from each other. We learn about it in dark, closed, closed door rooms. And so, you know, I think maybe I would love to kind of maybe de demystify some of the path and, and support people who are really starting to lean into this world to to maybe step in more fully so yeah what would you say about about that about starting down the road of of this kind of learning and development right yeah well um first of all just want to acknowledge what you were saying around how you know um in a way i'd say we we aren't really taught how to make love in the ultimate sense or even how to have relationships you know most of what people learn from is from watching movies looking at books or maybe porn, you know? So um, from my own journey, like with um, really kind of turning that around, I mean, definitely going to Tantra events can be a great way to learn a different um, way of being in regard to intimacy and sexuality. And really like um, listening deeply to yourself. Uh, so for me, I always felt that something was a bit off when it came to sexuality and relationships like it just felt like we weren't really going to the depth and subtleties that we could um so yeah and so in a way like you know trusting that that kind of deeper knowing has kind of took me on the tantra path among other things but definitely through being on a tantra path i have discovered so much that can be applied to really having the ultimate relationship, the ultimate in sex life, just the ultimate connection. So yeah, I just think, I mean, I'm just a bit of a tantra <laughs> groupie, whatever you want to call it, but it's really my passion. And um, I just see so much healing and powerful things that can come from it. So I don't know if that answers your question, but- Yeah, it does. It totally does. Yeah. And, and and I think kind of where I want to go next is, I think, Maybe there's a little bit more awareness of Tantra, especially there. I think there was a series on Netflix and, and, and so all of a sudden a much broader mainstream community is, is hearing about, thinking about, talking about it. I also think there's probably still a lot of misconception and maybe very two-dimensional impressions of what Tantra is. So maybe you can get into from where you sit, like how would you describe Tantra, the, the practice and the lineage of it? Uh, to someone who's relatively new so that they have a more complete understanding. Yes. Um, thank you again for bringing up that question because it's Tantra is such a loaded word. Like I, I remember like <laughs> talking to just some people that didn't have much of an idea about it and they thought Tantra was all about sex and orgies. 
And that can be quite a common way of looking at Tantra, but actually the roots of Tantra are very spiritual. And if you really go back into traditional Tantra and, you know, if coming from India, it was really about like, how do I embody being like consciousness or the divine? And then if I'm connecting with someone else, how can they be that as well? And then from that place of really embodying divinity, how can we come together and make love? And in that way, you're making divine love, right? So, uh, yeah, for me personally, um, Tantra is a spiritual path and it's a spiritual, it's a book, basically a way to use everyday life as a way to awaken. So even though I do have a big focus on sexuality, intimacy and relationships, I also utilize other things in daily life um, that to wake up, you know, so Tantra is about really embracing everything so it could be like your denser emotions as well as your most like joyful emotions and so when you can embrace the full spectrum or range of in a way humanness then you can really drop into a place of real love because you actually can accept and love everything right and at the same time like even in relationships when you're having a challenging time there's always like learning in that and there's always ways that like for example if usually what happens in relationships when uh, there's a lot of conflict is that our wounds are often being activated and our traumas and so if you can find a way to, to calm your nervous system for example then you tend to meet in a much more present and open and loving way and so like in tantra we could look at it like okay well I'm getting like <laughs> triggered by this person, but what is it showing me about me? Like, what can I learn like about in a way healing those wounds so that I'm not affected and so reactionary with life, right? Because there's often shadows there too. So we want to be able to get to this place where we can just be with everything and embrace it all, right? From a place of love and consciousness. Yeah, so there's a few things swirling. I'm ho hopefully I can track them all because I'd like to get to it. So, so when you were saying like, when you are in touch with a recognition that in you is the divine and in this other is the divine, and then you meet both with that awareness, there's a kind of transcendence of strictly the corporeal kind of physical interaction of sexuality and this whole other dimension and domain of sexuality and, and spirituality open up. So you know, like who, who isn't into, into that kind of cosmic lovemaking? Um, I think a question that came up as you were speaking was, it sounded a little bit like uh, the word namaste, which is something like that, is like the divine in me recognizes the divine in you. Is there any connection there between uh, that? Because namaste is Sanskrit, if I remember correctly. Is there a connection between the, the, those kinds of spiritual Sanskrit teachings and Tantra? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's used a lot in like Tantric workshops where you basically bow and you're like, namaste. When I'm guiding people through doing a namaste or bowing to each other in the workshops that I put on, I'm often saying, you know, really connect to that divinity in yourself. But as you're bowing to the other, you're bowing to the divinity within them and also within yourself. And then on a more human level, you're bowing down to them as a mirror because a partner will often show you so much about yourself. So it's kind of like looking in the mirror and seeing, oh, shoot, there's my wounds. This is how I get love activated in me. Da, 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 da. But yeah, for sure, that namaste is a great way to really drop into the sacred, especially when you do it with the right um, perspective. Because you can be like, namaste, that I'm not feeling anything, I'm not connected to that place of sacredness within myself. And then it's not quite the same as when you really are connected and feeling it and then bowing to that within each other, right? Yeah, beautiful. So when I'm thinking about uh, Tantra, and this is from my experience. I've been to some retreats and some workshops, and and uh, you know a bunch of friends that I am relatively con like well connected with are, are deeply steeped in that tradition. The impression I get is that it's a it's a, a a kind of honoring of of the fullness of life. So that whereas some spiritual traditions get a little bit transcendent and maybe even into the realm of bypass where it's like oh i don't i don't have or need a body uh, i'm this being of light i think tantra feels to me like a more integrated perspective on spirituality it's like yes you're that and you're this 
and life is the dance of those two. And then Tantra is the dance of those two. So would you say that that's sort of relatively on the mark in terms of how you feel about it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and the other piece that I want to bring in is just because I, I actually don't have anything against Christianity uh, as a default setting. I, I definitely have had some negative interactions with the, the church and some of the individuals there and some beautiful positive ones. So, so I don't have a, a, a particular kind of attitude about it. But what it seems to me that, that Christianity has a tendency to do, at least traditional, maybe more orthodox Christianity, is there is the God, the one, and then Jesus, his son. And, and then there's us, the, 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 the lowly sinners. And, and there's this distinct separation of the divine and us. And there's this distinct orientation towards guilt and wrongdoing. And, and so then sexuality gets what feels like it gets totally taken out of the equation. Like the fact that we're sexual, sensual beings isn't on the table of discussion uh, in, in, in many churches. And, and so like, I'm curious about, because I know I hear a lot of people talk about how Western culture is, is absolutely rooted in Judeo-Christian values. So I'm curious from your perspective around like, what is it like to b- bring like beautiful, rich, tantric uh, practices and traditions to the Western mind and the Western psyche? Like how has that been? When is it amazing? When is it like impossible because the person's just not ready? Like, tell me a little bit about how it is to work with, with you know, Western human beings that uh, maybe aren't used to that kind of openness. Yeah, cool. Well, firstly, I just want to say that I've had my own journey around Christianity and shame, actually. So um, when I was younger, I was growing up in New Zealand and was very like a sensual child. Like I was running around in nature a lot naked. So I think I was around 10 or something like this. But also um, I had a lot of creative energy which could link to like sexuality. So the creative energy is often coming from like the second chakra, which is also linking to our sexuality. So um, basically, and I also had a desire for the mystical, the, the spiritual things in life. So I found Christianity just because it was most prevalent around me at the time. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I should be a Christian. And I started to have all these ideas around spirituality that were kind of in a way being planted in my mind from the Christian framework. And also, I just want to say that I love Jesus. <laughs> I know that might sound funny, but, you know, I feel like a connection to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel the same way. Yeah. So it's not really like I don't want to put down um, like, you know, the heart of Christianity or even, you know, Jesus and all of these great people that were part of it, you know, Mother Mary and all of that. But it's more that what I found is that it gave me a lot of ideas in my head. And so then my body was wanting one thing and my head was wanting another. So basically I was thinking that I should wait till after marriage to have sex because that's kind of what Christianity told me. And then if I did any research and quite a lot of other spiritual traditions, they said you should be celibate. So I was like, but I'm spiritual. And I also have a lot of this creative, could be sexual life force energy. And so how does that work? <laughs> you know. So at a certain point, like I ended up uh, having sex before marriage, but basically because my, I'd say that my body, my energy, my Shakti, my life force kind of took over and my head wasn't really the one that was like ruling it, right? And when that happened, um, after that, I'd make love and I'd really be enjoying it in the moment, like super present, uh, connected to my body. But after the act, I'd feel so much guilt because of these ideas in my head that I wasn't spiritual if I was sexual, basically. And if I wasn't doing it in the way that the spiritual tradition said, then that meant that I was sitting and I was, you know, I would, basically I, there was no hope for me. But what I found on my tantric journey because um, basically what happened is I went to India and I was traveling around and I met this man in Rajasthan and he explained to me what Tantra was and that Tantra was a way that you could unite your sexuality with spirituality so that it wasn't wrong or bad to be a sexual being but also that it can be very sacred and spiritual. And so when I met him and I and I heard this, it was like a big aha for me. And so I would say that what I realized too is that actually connection to spirit isn't so much about all these ideas in our head. It's more about really coming into a place of presence and being able to 
really be here now as, as also you'll find in a lot of these traditional uh, spiritual teachings it's really about being here now and so um i can't remember what else you're saying there's some other yeah well I, I was i was just kind of inviting us to talk a little bit about bringing tantra to the western psyche like with that just that beautiful story of, of your childhood and I, all children are like that like yeah, ha, everywhere i've gone there's a there's a kind of a, an age range where the child is like get these clothes off of me like i don't want any of this stuff i just want to be naked in the world and and it's it's clear to me that there's a there's just a beautiful pure innocent goodness of of being fully in our body being fully expressed having our heart's desire un, unencumbered and and that that is our sexual energy like and, and that's not like a 6 year old has sexual energy it's not the kind of sexual energy that that I think the Western mind tends to orient to, but it's, it is what it, it is what inspires and kind of uh, kind of animates us and motivates us, and it's it's all the way through our lives. And so, you know, I was asking about how do you bring tantra to these people? I know some people are hungry for it, and that's great. But I think there's there's like I think of sexuality a little bit like it's like a really really high intensity hose, and mm-hmm. and and so it's it's got so much power but it actually needs to be wielded with the most gentle hands. So like if you try to force it or you try to use it in some way, in a way it gets tainted. So like I think it's it's one of these things that there's so much potency and power and it also requires such a delicate hand to be held by. So yeah, I'm curious just about how how it's been to be, you know, a, a pursuer, like a seeker and a, a practitioner and a teacher of, of tantric mm-hmm. arts. Um, and the tantric lineage, like, what is it like to bring that to other people? What, what's what's hard about that, and what's amazing about that? Yeah, well, and you know, speaking about the Western mind and how to bring tantra to it, especially with the Christian imprint, um, one thing to also understand is that um, so um, tantra, the, the we have traditional tantra and we have neo tantra, which is more modern tantra, right? So the modern tantra was brought. Um, well, Osho, for example, was one of the big people that brought, um, was it, or had a big influence on modern Tantra. And so he was a lot about like, you know, it, just be authentic in a way, like be yourself, let go. And if you have a desire, live it out fully so that you, it's not controlled by you. Like for example, even sex, he would be like, go have as much sex as you, as you can, because um, then that way you can meditate after you've got that desire to have sex out of your system rather than trying to meditate and thinking about all these naked people that you want to have sex with, right? So in a way, like, I guess like there was a little bit of priming for the Western mind um, already, like especially also with the 60s and like the kind of free love movement in those times. Um, so yeah, I, and I do feel a little bit like the world is kind of like, people are getting more and more interested in Tantra and it's true because they're just not happy in like relationships. They're not happy in sexuality and Tantra really shows a different way, but it's kind of navigating this thing around like what the word Tantra means to them because I could also remove that word and basically I could be like, you know, this is really about like the yoga of relating or mindful relating. And so it's kind of like also the words that are used that um, sort of help people to feel connected because it can be quite intimidating and then just what you were saying around the sexuality and like the hose and to be aware of it, um, because there's so much shadow that in a way has been put on top of the sexual energy. It's really just an innocent energy and it's an energy that you can use for so many things that you can, if you bring focus into it, like say for, you can use it for healing or you could use it for like putting into um, waking up or you could put it into like business motivation, like just channeling and moving this energy, right? Um, but it's super like there's lots of things that in a way create the shadow in us around our sexual energy and also like there's a lot of abuse and really crazy like programming that we get like even as a woman I've been kind of programmed to be like I should be like pretty pure meaning that I've hardly had sex with anyone but at the same time be like a porn star in the bedroom Mm. so it's like this is really confusing (laughs) like how do I be, you know? And and the beauty of Tantra actually is it's really about coming back to our authentic nature, going beyond the conditioning. So even like what you're saying about children, how they don't really, uh, they're not so conditioned, they're just being natural. And actually even in Christianity, it says something along those lines, like, you know, to get to the kingdom of God, you need to become like a child. 
And so it's that same idea in a way, go back to that authenticness that where you're just being real and you're not like going, oh, I, I'm doing this because I think I should do this. Like even in sex, like, oh, I, to make, I must act like a porn star because that's what I'm supposed to do, but it's not really who I am. So a lot of women fake orgasms, like, you know, because that's, they think that will make their partners happy when actually they're not being authentic because, um, it's just the way that they've been conditioned and programmed. So that's the gift in Tantra, which is what I'm teaching is like how to come back to that place of authenticness. And then you actually feel so much better in yourself, so much happier rather than trying to be something you're not. So tell me, tell me a little bit about, um, maybe before we get into things that, that, you know, maybe the, the, some of the core pieces that people are struggling with, you mentioned just so many people are feeling insecure or unsatisfied in their sexuality and their intimate relationship. Uh, I would really like to get into that. So anyone listening, this it's coming. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to kind of get a sense from you. Um, any of your major kind of realizations through the years, whether it as a practitioner or as a, a teacher of Tantra, and and then maybe we can use that, the, the stories that you share. I'm also happy like you can ask me questions as well. We, we can get, get into it. I don't mind. But uh, yeah, I'd like to hear a little bit more about your journey to to being someone who just knows part of your part of your service in the world is bringing this kind of knowledge and light and and wisdom to people. So what what give us some give us some points along your journey that feel like they stand out for you? Okay, that, so basically, you want me to give you some points around what I've learned on my tantra path, or just things like around that really kind of made me feel like I like this is my journey to to give to share tantra with the world and really be on this path yeah I would say like first I would love to hear any any really uh strikingly kind of standalone realizations that you've had along your own journey like you know maybe a piece you've been carrying since you were little and then you really and of course we get things in in stages and waves but but you know do any memories stand out to you about where you really kind of woke up and and things were different after that. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking of like one tantric experience that I had like just pretty early on in my tantra journey. Like I, I met a tantra teacher from Australia and, um, you know, he was like, oh, oh yeah, come to um, come to these sessions that I'm putting on. And um, so what we were doing in the sessions is we're basically like eye gazing with different people and then you'd rotate to the next partner. And, um, you know, what was really profound, actually, because eye gazing is such a simple practice and it can be such a profound practice at the same time. But what I found is like in that moment of eye gazing with someone, I was suddenly like, oh, my gosh, like normally I'm meditating with myself, you know, like I'm connecting to the divine through this body or this being. But with eye gazing... I, we're both having this experience of the divine in a way. Like this is kind of like meditation, but with someone else. So it really felt like this way to bring heaven on earth, you could say. And uh, it was just really powerful to me. So I actually really love eye gazing nowadays just because I find it so powerful, like just even just to see my judgments and that because so much can arise. It can be such a powerful way to meditate with someone else. Um, but it, and also just to feel that thing around connection, like I guess connection has always been important to me and love has always been a really important thing as well. And, and also another thing I guess was like being in my body. So I've always been quite an embodied person, uh, you know, like I'm a kinesthetic learner, all of those things. And so I always thought that everybody was quite embodied when they were <laughs> interacting with others. Right. But what I realized is that a lot of people aren't like they're, um, mainly in their head or thinking about the future or the past and so I think that was quite a natural aspect of me in a way that was but just to kind of have that realization that other people have very different experiences to what maybe I'm having when it comes to intimacy and sexuality and all of those things um yeah I don't know I can add more but how to do yeah, no, no, that's great uh, one thing I want to kind of just sort of dig into a little bit is to me what that sounds like is when we do something like an eye gazing practice, which in a certain way kind of removes all of our relational coping mechanisms and strategies, right? Like which run unconscious. Like it's one of the language, I think language, posture, and our relating, 
kind of underlying relating strategies, they all run so seamlessly we don't notice them. They're just operating. And and to bring awareness to that, like to me, the eye gazing shines light on the fact that this thing that we think we need to be special to have, this thing we need to do a certain way in order to really get it, like deep, intimate, profound connection, actually requires just presence. Yeah. Just openness and presence. And then it all happens. So to me, the, that practice in particular, it can provide not just the profound experience you have when you're doing long periods of eye gazing or you have many partners and you, you have all these realizations. I think mm-hmm. the underlying realization is like, this is all intrinsically available. I don't need to perform. I don't need to be the porn star or the, you know, the fantastical lover in the bedroom. That's all fine. Like we can, we can follow our, our joy and all of that, but, but that the most profound connection is actually intrinsically available. I think that, that realization has the capacity to completely turn our, you know, intimate and romantic life inside out in a beautiful way. Yeah, totally. Thank you for saying that. Cause like, that is really like the core of the whole thing is like, how can you come to the present? You know, it's just the tantra path is more about how do we do that with daily life as well, right? So a lot of these other spiritual paths, it's kind of like they'll look at the body as illusion and everything's an illusion. So, you know, it doesn't matter. But the tantra path is really about, yeah, you know, like how do we come into presence with everything that's here? And then the most beautiful thing to come into connection with, and that is, is actually in presence with, is with another, um, I find personally. <laughs> so you know and and also with myself as well but like it's very like yeah that presence thing is the key like it's really like if you want to take all the you know there's so much philosophy around tantra so many things but really the key is just how do you come back to presence you know how do you and and often when we when you really do come to presence that's where you really feel like your souls are meeting as opposed to like you know our minds are meeting or our emotions are meeting but when we're really dropped into a place of presence then it feels like the souls are really connecting. So that is, yeah, it's, thank you for sharing. I just, yeah, you're getting me excited now. <laughs> good, About, good. Yes. The idea. Um, yeah. So, you know, what, what it brings up to me, uh, this realization, like, oh, I don't have to do something special to to have or create this. It's actually, it moves on its own. Like when I'm present with another and I'm open in my own heart, and we look into each other's eyes, there's the universe, like there's the meaning of life, there is the love I've longed for, it's all available. And it brings sort of this, it's a spiritual principle, but I just know the deep truth of it, which is we're, we're lost if we, if we try to do in order to be, right? So like if, if we're not grounded in being, grounded in presence and authenticity, and then we do whatever we do because we hope that we can do it just right so that then we can just be, that's a, a, ne- a never-ending moving target, right? Like the, the the being we're looking for is always on the other side of the horizon because we're starting from a place where we don't think we have it. And then when we shift to like, oh, I am. First I am. The being is already there. And now I can be what I am as I do instead of using doing as a, a way to kind of access something I don't think I have. So I just want to bring that thing forward because... Like if we could get that, if we could really get that we, on the on the level that matters most, we are whole, we are here, we are it, and then we get to be that, that beautiful, authentic, pure goodness that we all see in the eyes of a child. We can be that as we do what we do as adults, all of it. And that's what Tantra is saying. It's like, it's, Tantra is there when you're mopping the floor. Tantra is there when you're going to the bathroom. Tantra is there when you're arguing with your boss. Like, it's life. It's life force dancing with presence. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of bring that piece in. Yeah, totally, totally. And that's like one of the more esoteric philosophies too is kind of this idea of Shiva Shakti. So Shiva is like consciousness. Shakti is like the dynamic aspect of consciousness. Or it could be considered energy or everything that's manifested in life. So in each moment, both of those things are dancing together. So we're we're all made up of consciousness and we're all made up of things that are moving and changing, you know, whether it's the our breath or the sensations in our body or our emotions. Um, 
So yeah, and the more that you drop into a place of consciousness of, in a way you could say like, almost like the witness mind, the more richer life becomes actually. So the more things you're aware of, including the subtle things, like it could be subtle energies in your body, or you might notice subtle colors if you're looking at a view. And this is often where we find this place of deep peace and deep fulfillment when we can really come into that that place. So there is a few things actually, which is like some keys that I've also found in my journey. So just around coming into presence, um, well, is actually a big part is actually connected to the body. So the more, for example, what is often happening for a lot of people is they're breathing more in their chest and this can create anxiety. And when you're in that state of anxiety, you're often not able to be as present as calm and really able to hold as much of reality, right? But if you just bring your breath down to your belly and in a way relax tension in your body, like coming into more relaxed states, then often this naturally opens you up to be more present and more open to reality. So it's just simple, like find a way to just relax your body, breathing in the belly is a great way. Like, and you could do other relaxation practices too, like, you know, massage or just um, relaxing, relaxing meditations, having a bath, and it will often open you up to, to be more in this place of being as opposed to doing. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, I would love to move it in the direction of, you know, what people that might be listening uh, are, are having trouble with, uh, things that maybe feel inaccessible or difficult for them. So for you, whether it's people who come to workshops or online events that you do or coaching with you, uh, what are some of the common threads that, that, you know, most people out there can relate to? And then, you know, with the time we have left, I'd love to kind of jam on like, well, what's really going on there and how do we transform all of that? Yeah, well, one of the big things right now is around connection, like just with the way that the world has been going, a lot of people are feeling quite lonely and not really feeling like they have the connection that um, they used to have. And, you know, even just things like wearing masks and it kind of takes away the humanness. So like, you know, it's just like children, they recognize things from looking at their parents' expressions. And the same thing can be like, you know, if we can see a person's full face, then we feel a bit more connected than if you're just seeing part of their face. So, uh, you know, kind of like we are in a new time, which actually affects things. So it's really important to, and, and also a lot of stuff can be more virtual these days. There's still some in-person events, obviously, but it's really important to um, to find ways to have connection because in a way you think even as a child, like, you know, your mother was often holding you or your father too for quite a long time. And we kind of thrive on connection and things. Even if you're an introvert, there's a certain point where you may find you want some kind of connection with others. So that's one thing that's kind of a theme right now in the world. There's other things just around like sexuality. There's a lot of things for people because that's quite a, there's a lot of, I guess, shadow there for people and also triggers and hurts and wounds and all of that. So some of the things that uh, come up is just like, for example, for a lot of men, it's around performance, you know, because of the way that we've been programmed is that you've got to be this amazing lover in the bedroom who can give a woman multiple orga orgasms and whereas in tantra we look at it like how can you just be present it doesn't matter if you have an orgasm or not but how can you just be super present and connected with your partner while you're lovemaking and in a way that actually solves that that performance um thing for a lot of men to realize that no it's not just about performing because also for a lot of woman for me at least, I'll just speak for myself because I don't want to be too generalized, but I found this also with other women. It's not always about us having millions of orgasms. And not to say that I, I don't like having an, like an orgasm or two like I do, but to <laughs> me it's more, it's way more about that emotional connection and like feeling that the person's really there with me, you know, and I, I'll just share a little story on that because I was uh, at a tantra yoga school in Thailand for about five years and at the school like many of the guys were kind of trained to do all these great things sexually but um, what I found is that they weren't really connected to their hearts often so I'd engage with some of these guys and I would I actually got totally turned off 
even wanting to engage with them intimately because I didn't feel the heart or the the real connection there. It was all about like they were trying not to ejaculate and they should squeeze this bunda now and bring the energy up here, but then they weren't really present with me, which I think would have been way nicer. And yeah, and also feeling their heart. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes me think you can't fake presence and authenticity. And, yeah. and and no no number of orgasms, no amount of, of wonderful sexual performances can can replace that. It's like those, I think of those, like the, the sexuality Western, the Western mind tends to think of is like the flower. It's like something like an end result that can come or not, but the tree or the plant is happy either way. Yes, it wants to go there. Yes, there's a, there's a deep longing in the organism to like give it give it its full life, but but if we try to if we give all the attention to the flower, the plant dies. So like I, I think of that as a metaphor for relationship. It's like if if we're trying to extract all of the all of the goodies from our relationship and we're not tending the soil, that relationship isn't going to last, and that connection isn't going to last. So yeah, that's a lovely story. I appreciate the the wisdom in it. Yeah, I know. It really comes down to just simple things, right? In a way, it's kind of like coming back to authenticity, coming back to presence. And, and it's funnily enough, I know we can get back to that Christian thing again around <laughs> being a child, you know, it's kind of, and that's how you enter in the kingdom of heaven. But it really is like in many ways, like how do we just, because children are very present, they're very authentic, you know, and they, they can be great teachers for us in that way, you know, and that's where we feel often our greatest joy in life. Yeah, I mean, I, I can speak. I have a, a almost ten month old son, and uh, he he's not trying to do anything. Like, I mean, he he wants to learn and grow. He is so fired up, and he's so intense. Like, he wants he wants to engage everything. He wants to get it all in his hands. He wants to put it all in his mouth. But but there's no sense in him of like trying to do something. There's no contrived self orientation or agenda or like none of that he's just in this in a full flow of expression and i think most people are walking around under the assumption that as adults we're that's not available to us anymore and i think that's maybe the most powerful message something like a tantra or just an authentic personal development path provides is like no no no. that kind of of abundant kind of inexhaustible flow of joy and meaning is all there it's just been covered over and mm-hmm. probably requires a little bit of, you know, light to moderate to extreme dusting, right? Like we've we've put the tough stuff into the corners because we didn't want to face it. And I often say to people, like, the channels for pain and the channels for joy in us run along the same pathways. So if we want to shut down the pain, well, guess what? We're also shutting down our joy. And so, and I, I know this is also what Tantra brings is like, it's all welcome. Like become an open container where all of the flavors are welcome. And then the real joy and meaning that's just always there in life comes through, which is hard. It's it's hard to get if you haven't really been in the flow of that since you were like one or two years old. But like I think maybe that's a question for us to explore. It's like how do we inspire, how do we reinstate reinstate that belief in people? Like, oh, it can be precious and rich and joyous again and maybe there's some work to do for me to kind of unplug what I've plugged yeah well and I think a big question that you can always ask yourself is am I coming from fear or am I coming from love because like if you really sort of dive deep you may notice that sometimes like say let's say I do a job that I don't really want to do I might be doing that job because I have a fear of not having money or a fear of like maybe my parents told me I had to do this job and so I want to be accepted. But there's often fear there. Whereas if you're kind of like following your bliss, following your joy, your love, then often you're going to just feel way better and way happier, right? So that can be one thing just to kind of, if you want to really start to change your conditioning. But it does require a bit of work because we're often like have so many masks and like the, the things that you have to unwind to, to come back into that essence because it's true it does exist it's kind of like the layers of the onion that pure essence exists in the middle of the onion but um we have to kind of peel these layers away so some of these layers are around our conditioning and they can be societal conditioning from our cultures from our parents 
and peers and also like our wounds, you know, because we're often having uh, like wounds where we got hurt and we started to believe that we weren't lovable or not worthy or not good enough. And then because of those wounds, we put up these masks or protections to cre- create love or get love. So for example, like one of the things that I had, or I'm going to say had because I'm clearing that out, <laughs> but um, is the the plinza. So, you know, because I, and the good girl, because I was trained by my parents to be the the good girl. And then like I was loved, right? So I learned that if I'm a pleasant person to be around and I'm pleasing, you know, to others, like, like make them feel good, then they'll tend to love me. But actually, I, like what the flip side of that is it tends to create this resentment because I'm not being authentic. So I'm being this thing that I'm not. And then I'm like, well, I like I don't want to be nice right now, but I'm being it. And so internally, I'm having this battle of like, I'm being this way. That isn't actually my truth. So yeah, like you have to unwind all of that. And that can take a lot. Like a big step in that is also awareness of yourself. And I found like through like doing yoga and meditation, that's really helped me to have a lot more awareness of my being, but also teachers that I've had along the way as well. But yeah, it's just, I know, I really feel like that's another big part of my, um, what I meant to do is really to help people to come back into that place of authenticity and their true essence as opposed to this kind of conditioned or fabricated essence. You know, I, I one time, I don't even remember where it was and, and I, I'm definitely not the only one who's heard it, but the kind of reading of the onion metaphor for spiritual kind of awakening and, and, and personal growth, you know, I, I, someone put me to the question is like, well, what, what's at the center? Mm-hmm. And, and so like you cut and there's a layer and you think you're done and no, no, there's another layer and you cut and it's done. No, there's another one and there's another one and there's another one. And, and then at a certain point you get to the, the last layer and you peel it away. And they ask me like, what's there when you get to the last layer and you peel the last layer away and, and, and I said, nothing. And they said, true, but guess what's also there? Everything. Yeah. To me, like that's the, the journey. The, the, the real spiritual path is like to come home to a place where we're, we're nothing and everything at the same time. Yeah. We're, we're, we're like universal consciousness and a kind of empty space within which life unfolds. And then like from there unencumbered that's when like that joy of, of a young child is there I don't know if you've ever met them but like there's a handful of humans in this world that are adults and they have that they're just wild-eyed reckless abandoned vulnerable pure-hearted beautiful humans and and I know that they got there not by imagining beams of light and unicorns they got there by being fully present to their human experience and allowing it to kind of reconfigure them. So so I just love telling that story of the onion because it's just a, yeah, it's just, it has such a profound implication. Yeah. Okay, one more thing. One more thing I want to get into. Yeah. Shame. For me, I think shame is, is just unbelievably tangled together with, with sexuality in modern culture. And so I would love to hear some of your take on like, what is shame really about? How does it initially formulate in us? And and what do we do if, you know, I think some people aren't even aware of how ashamed they are of their body, of their sexuality, of their genitals, of, you know, choices they've made. Um, So, and I think shame is one of those pieces that when we address shame fully, the, the amount of liberation and joy that happens is staggering. So yeah, let's jam on shame a little bit and then we can we can wrap things up. Yeah, well, you know, like part of my journey was around the shame, especially with which got linked into Christianity, was that, you know, I felt a lot of shame that I wasn't being spiritual. So in a way, like I would say too with Tantra, like we're, we're trying to like, like because often shame, you're being contracted in your body. Mm. So we want to come back into this place of being open, relaxed, and that's what brings us into presence. But the thing that I found on my journey around shame is that, you know, it, it started with one step, which was when I found Tantra and I was like, oh, it's okay to be spiritual and sexual at the same time. And then from there, um, you know, just to, you know, be around other people that were kind of showing me that 
there was a different way. Like, so being in different communities where they were, you know, being on this spiritual and sexual, like honoring sexuality as sacred, that helped me. And then I just got more and more comfortable so that I didn't actually have the shame that I used to have around my sexuality. Like, you know, if I rolled back, um, like say when I was, you know, teenager to talk about sexuality would have been, I would have felt so much shame. Like I would have been like, oh my God, no, don't go there. Right. And, you know, in a way, like I like to bring things back to the body because like you kind of like, if you go into the feeling of shame, it is quite like this, like it almost makes you go into a bit of a freeze response, a subtle freeze response. And, um, yeah, so in a way, like to kind of relax again the body uh, and like, because it's really about also what you can hold. So even like, say then talking about sexuality, it was like, well, the things that I'm feeling right now are way too much for me to be able to hold. So I just don't want to even go there, right? So that was kind of was linked to the shame. But now like I can talk about sex, I can talk about these sorts of things and I can hold it a lot more because I've in a way accepted the part of myself that I thought was really bad and wrong, right? So I, th- I feel like shame is also connected to this thing of like, there's something really wrong here. You're bad. You're like ultimately not acceptable. You don't belong like with with who you are and how you're being. Yeah, I don't know if you want to share some things on your experience with shame. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. Um, for me, I really love working with core belief. I think core belief is is a it's a powerful kind of underpinning and and infrastructure to much of our kind of false and and dysfunctional uh, behavioral patterns as adults, and and so when we get into core belief, like almost everyone is walking around with some version of I'm not good enough, totally, and some kind of shame, and and so then you might ask a question, well, like if everyone is carrying that, there there must be something ubiquitous that occurs in our childhood that instills that sense of I'm not I'm not good enough there's something wrong with me and so I'll just share my my theory on that because I think it's a, it's a it's a pretty lovely insight and that is that at some point usually very early on in our childhood something happens and the care and love and belonging that that is needed for our survival from an evolutionary context so like in our system it's a it's a striking discomfort when we don't feel connected and that that the person that that is supposed to care for us is there to care for us and it, it so it shows up as a striking discomfort and then if there's no uh kind of a recovery or repair of that sense of disconnection the child has to try to start to make sense of that if that's a recurring theme where their sense of belonging and connection and care is consistently not met it's going gonna, it's gonna to start to be a situation where the child needs to go, I need to create a solution for this. And I believe core belief is one of the first uh, sort of uh, developmental spaces of agency where we can start to choose something that helps us feel differently. So if I feel extreme discomfort and pain in my body, the conclusion a very young child will easily make is that there's A, there's something wrong. And because the feeling is happening in their body, they say something is wrong with me. Like it, yeah. It's actually very logical for a young child to be like, I'm in pain. It's a very, quote unquote, ugly feeling. And it's happening here. Yeah. So it's me. I'm the ugly one. I'm the bad one. There's something wrong with me. And then because that that core belief doesn't have an object yet, it's just a way to try to make sense of a very painful experience. We then try to find reasons to feel ashamed. So the thing that we're ashamed of, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too tall, I'm too hairy, I'm too loud, I'm too quiet, I'm I'm not this, I'm not... All of those are just the most convenient ways in which we could justify our feeling of I'm not good enough, there's something wrong with me. That's why shame takes on so many colors on the surface. Like there's so many flavors of how shame can look, but the underlying condition of shame actually has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with a core belief that says something is wrong with me. Otherwise, these terrible feelings wouldn't be happening. So so then the question becomes like, okay, well, if as adults, we know we're carrying around this sense of I'm not good enough and the shame, what to do about it? 
and and I think you know we could do a whole other series of conversations about it. So we maybe don't have time to get deeply into it, but but at the core of it, I think is what we've been talking about this whole time. Are we willing to just simply and openly come to the present moment and fully be with what's there as it is? That's that is the solution for shame. And then there are all sorts of practices and meditations and other things we can do to kind of facilitate the healing process. But at the heart of the healing is us being willing to drop our belief that something's wrong with us and 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 over time replace it with something that's more authentic and essential. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And, you know, like it can also, for different people, like some people might be able to just switch and and drop that belief. And for some people, actually, what I found through my coaching sessions that you actually need to work a bit with the subconscious because they say that you basically manifest everything externally from your subconscious. So, and those, if you have these beliefs, then yeah, like you may find like, oh, I never seem to attract a partner because there's something in your subconscious that is saying that you're not good enough to have a partner or something along those lines, right? So we have to like go into the subconscious in a way, clear those things out and bring in more empowered identities so that the same patterns don't keep reoccurring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and also I would say like for me with my journey from going from feeling a lot of shame to empowerment is it, you know, first of all, it was having that like somebody going, wow, here's a different way you can look at things, which had been totally not in my consciousness. And so that was a really great thing. So even just sometimes being around people that are like, show you a different way can be really helpful and that, that are empowered in that way. And and then the other thing was, you know, in a way it was just taking a step into empowerment. I didn't want to be stuck like that. To me, living a life full of shame around not feeling that I was, you know, good enough to be a human being and that I was damned and I had sinned and all of these things, it's not a good way to live life, you know? So... Yeah. And, and in a way, like sometimes, you know, shame can be a, a great thing if you're willing to, again, look at it as a way to wake up. And so, you know, if you're having shame to go, okay, like kind of like what we're talking about, what is the core belief under all of this? What can I do to clear this away so that I can feel empowered? And, and shame comes up a lot around sexuality, you know, and even as children, like, I don't know um, if you found that pr- from other parents and things at like this dolphin, but like a lot of parents really can shame their children around like say they're comfortable touching their sexual their genitals or something like a lot of kids may do that and be kind of walking around naked and things and parents will be like what are you doing oh my gosh like hurt that and she, yeah and just the shock of that is so it can be quite traumatic for a child yeah and of course like like just the with the the kind of um the genesis of shame that I was just speaking about you know a young child touching their genitals and then getting yelled at this is like how our memory and our sense of self weaves together is that these experiences then get woven with specific objects of experience. So, oh, genitals and this terrible feeling of being yelled at go together. So then, of course, there's shame. And and, and of course, the motivation of the parent to yell and get mad at the child is the, the parent's own shame, that the parents is carrying around their shame that they didn't sort out from their childhood. And then they're projecting it onto their child. So, you know, like, and then and not just parents and children, like we do that with our partners. We do that with our friends, like, and then all of it is a double-edged sword. All of it is actually grounded in, in our empathetic nature and our ability and desire to really heal and learn and grow together. But only if we're willing to be present and feel it all. Yeah. Because if we're not willing to be present and feel it all, then being connected means we have to feel more. That's why people dissociate. It's so much more difficult and painful to be in deep relationship with the people around me than to just isolate. Now, the consequences of isolation are staggering for a social creature like humans, but for a lot of people, then when they try to do the cost-benefit analysis of, of remaining vulnerable and connected versus shutting down and staying protected, like the, the connection makes no sense unless they can find a relationship with someone that can in real time, experientially remind them how amazing human relationship can be. I think that's that's why we need each other because those kinds of realizations for some people just don't don't at least seem available to them on their own. Totally, totally. 
yeah and you just kind of also remind spark something else in me just around like another thing that really helps with kind of healing shame is being accepted for your expression like so like with me with my sexuality and stuff like that like going to environments where it was more accepted um that actually helped me to to feel like it was okay to be who I was yeah yeah. um so yeah like the gift and actually even now like so um you know but being a coach uh like with people around intimacy and relationships but it just to, to to be able to give them that space of in a way me holding all of them you could say so if you can't hold all of yourself it can be helpful to go to someone who can hold all of you and accept you as you are and that can create healing so yeah that's just another piece if you find it like for some people if it's too overwhelming for you to like really like do it yourself and to be fully present with it all it it really can help to get support yeah beautiful i mean just recently i was having a conversation with uh uh, zamir danji and uh, sabrina lakani they're doing along with Farah Nasrali, they're, they're kind of a team of people that are working with sort of yoga and spirituality and mystic traditions with nonviolent communication work and sort of psychotherapy and then and, and, and sort of journal analysis. And they bring in this concept of self-parenting and that yeah. our, our real role in life is to learn as we grow up into adulthood how to be the parent to whatever degree we didn't get parented quite right it's our job to grow up and become that parent for ourselves. And as we do, we actually become that parent for the people that we're connected to. So like what you're saying there is really unconditional love, which which from a, from a present, responsive, loving parent, that's what they're offering the child. Unconditional love. And, and we can offer it to each other in a way that is deeply transformative. And um, yeah, I think that's a whole spiritual journey in itself, learning learning what it means to parent ourselves and each other. You know, not in a kind of a controlling paternalistic way, but like in a in a this is what unconditional love is really about kind of way. And and to me that that rings so true as to something like our deepest purpose in our lives. Yeah, I love that. And it's it's that's the thing of by self-parenting yourself, that's something you have control over because you may you know you don't have control over your par- the parents that you got. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to our to our detriment or to our to our disappointment sometimes. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, and actually, you just re- made me think of something else too, just around like like the shame thing. So just like for me, in a way, embracing my sexuality and and being on a tantra path, which is quite in some ways quite a scary path to be on because I get a lot of projections put on me, <laughs> and yeah. And sometimes like, it's like, I get a lot of people's shadow, you know, and that can be quite scary at times. But like, even like, I would say like, I really am so grateful for the parents I have because my parents really just accepted me, even if I was on a tantra journey, even if it was like stuff that was kind of like, whoa, what is she doing now? But in a way it's created a lot of healing, you know, for my mom, like she was a, a she was brought up as a Catholic and um, you know, she didn't know much about sexuality and all of this. And, you know, so even me like going, yeah, do you want to check out this book on Tantra? And now she'll check it out and she'll be like, wow, that's, that feels like so much to have like how I want to be or I am, you know, like, and it's just, it's really cool to like see that, how it can create a lot of healing also like through the generations back, but also the generations going forward, you know, like even you being a dad, like the more like um, you're in a place of, in a way, being an integrated human, and you're present in all of these things, that is so healing for your son, right? Like for what he'll take forth from being your child and where he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful reflection. I love that. It's it's deeply and and uh kind of presently true for me right now in my life. And and I always love like I actually wrote a piece recently where I I, I realized that my love for my son is meant for everyone. Like that, that mm-hmm. the, the greatest loves that we can touch into in our personal lives are not to be like kept and hoarded and like just given to the certain people. It's like, I think Osho had it. He was like, a, a flower, love is like a flower. It doesn't choose who it gives its fragrance to. It just, it just gives it. That's, that's what love does. So yeah, I can relate. I can relate strongly to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for people that I've enjoyed the conversation and would like more, where can they find you? And is there anything kind of exciting that's coming? Uh, I mean, there, obviously, there's the relationships thing that's coming, but 
uh, yeah, where can they find you and anything that you want to kind of share with them uh, that might be exciting for you? And, and then I'm sure we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, that's, well, it's been great being on this podcast and I'm just, yeah, I, I, I love jamming with you. I always get so excited and <laughs> talking to you and just inspired. So it's really cool. And uh, yeah, so if you want to find me, like you can definitely check out my website, which is naomipremadevi.com. And um, that's N-A-O-M-I-P-R-E-M-A-D-E-V-I.com. So that's a great way to find me. Also on Facebook, if you look up Naomi Pramadevi, you can find me and I have like a one page which I share more of my Tantra stuff, which is Naomi Pramadevi Sacred Arts. And I'm also on Instagram. So pretty much if you just search for that name, you'll probably find me on Facebook, Instagram, or my website. And then like the things that I offer is I do coaching. So if you're interested in coaching and want to have a free 20-minute consultation, reach out to me and I'm happy to give that to you. And it's all around like love, relationships, intimacy, and dating. And also uh, I put on... Uh, like a few online courses so I have a tantric masculinity course a tantric femininity course and an awakened relationships course currently so these are the things but just check out my website and you'll see the offerings I have and I also put on other mini events online and in person though more have been online lately <laughs> so yeah thank you so much yeah really appreciate your time always a pleasure to talk uh, I look forward to doing it again thanks for being here Thank you so much. Blessing. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. You've been listening to the Better Relationship Podcast brought to you by RelationFlix. Please subscribe to the podcast and you can go and check us out at relationflix.com. We look forward to sharing so much more with you. And until next time, my friends, love well.